So today, probably most people have heard by now that there was a cowardly, disgusting attack on two mosques in Christchurch in New Zealand, carried out by a sick, twisted individual with fascist tendencies. So who better to give us insight into the twisted mind of this particular individual than uh, Alex from the 12 Rules for What podcast? Yes, thank you. I think it's really important to acknowledge right off the bat that just what a tragedy, what like a senseless, horrific attack this was. Like 49 worshippers were killed, 20 more injured over two mosques, the Al Nur Mosque and the Linwood Islamic Centre in Christchurch, New Zealand, right in the centre of the city. And it's really hard to get your head around. Compounding that fact was the kind of context in the attack and how it was carried out. The, the murder weapons were posted on Twitter two days before it happened. The attacker live streamed the attack when he was driving to the mosque all the way through killing people, live streamed it on Facebook for anyone to see. The internet being what it is has been mirrored and downloaded and saved and the images and the video of these people being shot and killed at Point Blank Briggs is going to be with us forever because of this. Yeah, I mean, there's really no words that can do that Do that kind of like just truly horrific thing justice. It's, it's really bad. And so what I kind of want to do now is is think about why this happened. What were the influences that influenced this guy to to do this? What his kind of like political outlook was by like talking about the manifesto he posted online just before the attacks, this 74-page manifesto entitled The Great Replacement, which is anyone who's like an anti-fascist in the UK will recognise from Generation Identity, an identitarian group. That is, This is one of their main slogans, that the white race, white culture is being replaced by Muslims. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly talk through like what the manifesto consisted of and talk through some of the things that I've picked out that he seems to have been referencing. And that this is not to like reproduce the manifesto in, in some form. That's already being done. He managed to do that by killing all these people. Millions of people will read this, whatever the political outlook is. In in many ways, he's he already succeeded as soon as he put a bullet in someone, basically, because it was always it was always going to go viral. It's a strange document, and I I I've, I've read it today, and it's diff- it's a difficult read as well. Cause it's very hard to understand what is sincere, what is ironic, and and whether he actually means what he says a lot of the time. The document itself is a kind of synthesis of like really hardcore fascism, like kind of internet meme culture. And like I said, this generation identity, identitarianism is kind of statistically birth rate obsessed kind of politics, which you can see in like, in like some of the speeches of Tommy Robinson in the UK and in UKIP and the new like kind of radical UKIP. So there's a lot going on in there. I want to start with the memes because I think this is like the kind of the hardest thing to get your head around. So someone commits such an awful atrocity and yet there's like jokes all the way through this thing. And in the live stream, just before he starts killing people, he uh, says, subscribe to PewDiePie. PewDiePie, for those who are not internet literate, is uh, the most popular YouTuber in the world. He's got about 80 million subscribers. And in recent months, there's been this long running meme joke of PewDiePie in competition with a subscriber count with this Indian YouTube channel called T-Series. And it's a, it's a long-running joke and campaign and on like internet circles to keep PewDiePie ahead of this Indian YouTube channel. It seems like a really frivolous, really frivolous thing to say before you start killing a bunch of people. And in many ways, it's, a, it's a, his way of uh, inducting his kind of fellow image board users, fellow 8chan users into a more like kind of hardcore action orientated outlook, which could reduce produce more people like him. It's they're in on the joke. And if you're in on the joke, you're 
on the way to understanding why he would do this. He he posted on 8chan before he went saying, the shit posting is over, I'm going about to I'm about to do something real, basically. And if you read through the, the subsequent comments on this post on 8chan, it was like, holy fuck, he, up he actually delivered, you know, based up he actually went through with this, all these fucking Muslims are being killed, God bless, kill some more, you know. These people, like, this is their language, this is their kind of, their outlook. And that, I think that's what, that's, one of the biggest challenges to anti-fascists is how do you like counter that kind of like they, they're not coming out on the streets you can't like blockade their meeting or kick the shit out of them they're all in their like bedrooms and uh, on in offices posting these vile stuff we need to think about that it's a real serious challenge because there's not much you can you can defend yourself against a movement you can find the like the fault lines in it and the cracks and you can break them apart but when there are people like lone wolves like shooting people just on their own initiative makes it very difficult to to fight against so with the kind of internet culture thing i i found it very difficult to read as well because it was it was like very uncertainly ironic you couldn't tell which parts were sincere and which parts weren't. Um, so there's a point in the manifesto, which is question and answer kind of section, where he's posting himself some questions, which he then answers, like a kind of like fucking weird FAQ. And on one of the one of the questions is who radicalised you the most? And he answers, Candice Owens uh, has radicalised me, but some of the things she says is a bit too extreme for me. Now, this works on two on several levels. Candice Owens is the public relations director for Turning Point USA, which is a libertarian, free market, right-wing student society with links to the Trump family. Candice Owens is black, and as a you know a white supremacist, he probably doesn't want her in the in the conservative movement, in the, in the far right movement. And so it's an attack on her, and it's trying to like delegitimize her and play off the kind of condemnation she got for like saying that Hitler might not have been so bad after all, as she said a few weeks ago. He's also like a massive troll. Like clearly, he did not. He was not radicalized by Candace Owens. He probably doesn't really listen to black people very much, and so it's very difficult to, like I said, to to, to, to kind of pass it, pass the document, and work out what he actually means. There are a few things that we can be clear about. He references Oswald Mosley, which is a fascist figure from the 1930s in the UK extensively he quotes him he clearly has a lot of respect he calls him Sir Oswald Mosley um in one of his question and answer sessions he denies being a Nazi he denies being in the Nazi. he says yes I am a fascist and that is for once the people who call all of us fascists are right I am a fascist and I believe him <laughs> I believe him he liberally quotes the 14 words which is a white supremacist slogan throughout in different variations he rewrites rudyard kipling to be even more racist than rudyard kipling already is you can see his influences the second influence and it's quite a clear one is uh, a book called the turner diaries which is uh, a book that was written in 1978 by a guy called William Pierce. And he was a neo-Nazi, very explicitly, you know, 1488, swastikas are great. I really like to wear them all the time and have them tattooed on my body. He wrote this book, which was a like kind of a wish fulfillment for the most racist person you can imagine. And it's a story of a white supremacist cadre organisation, uh, which kind of overthrows the federal government in America over a period of like... 10 years, hangs anyone who has ever slept with a black person, you know, nuclear bombs the Pentagon, mass programs against Jewish people. The, the book's rightly considered, you know, reviled. In the manifesto, he 
the reason he said he, he used guns was to try and get them banned in America or like more strict gun laws to be brought in. He says it explicitly. And the instigating event of this, you know, white supremacist terror in the Turner Diaries is the Second Amendment being curtailed, the federal government buying guns for white people, and therefore the order springing out of this action by the government. It, it doesn't make much sense. If you want to kill a lot of people, a bomb works a lot better and, and kills a lot of people much more quickly. So, but if you think about it in the context of Turner Diaries, he's clearly, there's, there's some kind of political aim here, this kind of uh, instigating uh, thing here, which he's trying to do. And he says it, he says it really explicitly in, in the manifesto. On the guns, other than side note, he wrote many different kind of white supremacist slogans. He wrote the name Anders Breivik on there, who he like lionises, really hero worships. He wrote the words for Rotherham in a reference to the uh, child sexual abuse scandal in Rotherham. He clearly like sees himself as part of a much wider, much more grand ongoing movement that's, that's taken place over centuries. Like I said, it's difficult to like kind of synthesise. You get a lot of like really common fascist themes, like the, the that kind of the weakening of, of Western men. He quotes, uh, strong men do not get ethnically placed strong men do not allow their culture to degrade he's also and this is the biggest hell is he has a, he has a little section called to antifa marxists and communists he says i want you in my sight i want your neck under my boot the anti-communism comes out quite a lot as well there are some have been some people saying on twitter that he's a kind of like a, a red brown alliance dugan guy I, I have to say i didn't i didn't pick up on that i didn't see the uh the, the attempt to draw together the far left and the far right. He very much wants to kill the far left. And finally, the kind of last influence is a, is a website that's now defunct called Iron March, which was a, a kind of a much more extreme version of Stormfront. Uh, so Stormfront has been, been a white supremacy website for 20, 30 years now. Um, it's the most used one it used to be across the world. They are really racist on there, but they kind of couch their most violent tendencies or their most violent kind of expressions in kind of like in softer language. Iron Max threw all that out. You know, it's uh, a lot of talks about exterminating Jewish people, gay people, Muslims. There's fantasizing about mass murder. Any kind of suggestion that maybe not killing people is like a better way uh, is ruthlessly kind of uh, shut down. The Iron March, a lot of the really extreme groups that we've seen across the world have come out of this website. So National Action in the UK, Atom Waffen in the US, and Antipodean Resistance in Australia. Uh, you know, these are kind of militia style groups who were uh, ran kind of training terrorist training camps in the Cotswolds or wherever you know in the English countryside or the Australian countryside in America or they all came out of this website and he, he has not been explicitly tied to here he has not been like uh, kind of you know linked conclusively all his language is very much in in the style of Iron March his kind of outlook that extreme violence is the only way is very much Iron March I I would be very surprised to find out if you hadn't trained at an Antipodean resistance training camp at some point in his life. It, it just gives, it gives me bad vibes, basically. What we need to think now is how to respond, because the, the manifesto is not trying to appeal to a mass of people. It's not trying to convince like the masses about the rightness of, his, of white supremacist politics. It's trying to incite other radicalised young men into killing more people. And this is what we need to really seriously consider in the coming weeks, is that you know the, the most likely time for a copy attack, uh, attack is in the month afterwards. So you know, I, I, I thought I was going into this like, trying not to be alarmist or like too like horrified and uh, about the whole thing, but it, it's pretty alarming. And we need to start organising, I think. It's more important now than ever to start 
join your local anti-faculty group or support them and go to anti-faculty demonstrations. The only way we fight back is, like, ultimately the state can't protect us. Like, it took the police half an hour to get to the mosque in the middle of Christchurch. The state cares when it wants to care and when it doesn't care, it's studiously absent. And the state was studiously absent here. And it's up to us to be defending mosques and defending ourselves. And so I'm probably going to leave you all with that. It's truly horrible. And I just tried to explain some of what is going on in that text. I think there's a lot more to unpack. And I, I want to thank a guy called Jimmer for helping me with some of the research for this. Yeah, I think I think I'm done. I mean, it's interesting talking to Suresh earlier about the late 1970s and the idea of contested spaces and for them it was the street it was the physical town hall and all the rest of it but as you were saying there it's it's very much a digital space that's being contested now and my impression is that the right have that down i mean the left are pretty pathetic when we, it comes to kind of meme wars or whatever we've been caught out like pewdiepie for example is a, a supposedly neutral figure and he's at the top of the like, kind of youtube hierarchy and yet on twitter he follows a bunch of alt-right figures stephen stefan molyneux lauren southern ben shapiro who is not alt-right but still pretty racist a, a bunch of these jordan peterson he's clearly like a very right-wing guy however much he professes to um be a neutral kind of entertainment style figure uh, he's had his own scandals with racism which i won't go into just one i guess like a last note we need to remember who the victims are in this and we, we need to not be quiet about it it's, it's really disheartening to see pewdiepie getting four hundred thousand likes on his tweet condemning and disasserting himself but people don't really know like how many people died or you know what actually happened it's pewdiepie who gets to be the the ultimate victim in the internet and well that's a long held tradition on the right isn't it <laughs> yes <clears throat> but in terms of resistance then would people not be better off going on to HN than going to a london anti-fascist meeting i think people need to be trained to go on HN, and i think you do that by getting involved in your local anti-fascist group it's a very weird website to even understand at first and but i think you're right ultimately there's been a lot of talk about bring back things like rock against racism and really the culture is not at punk and reggae anymore it's not even at music it's at video games streaming websites like reddit for can eight can that's where we need to be contesting and fighting and not like bringing back punk music which is dead